We welcome the Fellowship Center and our live stream audience. We're glad everybody is here today, and uh, what a blessing on a cold winter day. Oh, and how many are you hoping it snows? Yeah, look at there. Some of you have never seen snow before in your life, and so <laughs> you're looking forward to that. Others are just, all the kids are just looking for a reason to get out of school mm-hmm. for one more day. That would be the way I looked at snow when I was a kid. Uh, we just saw some, actually, uh, we were traveling up into uh, Harrison, Arkansas, and we got up there into the mountains, and it had snowed, and it was beautiful. Well, we'll hopefully get a little bit here, which would be fun, uh, and a day to play in it. Uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to Robert and Bertha Dixon. I got your birthday card this week. Uh, you guys are awesome. I miss hugging your neck uh, when I come in the back door, but uh, you're still encouraging. You're still doing Barnabas' work, and I just want you to know that from home. We love you guys a lot. Uh, our scripture reader today is Reese Bird. She is 11 years old. She homeschools and she loves arts and crafts, it says here. I'm still trying to decide which I love more, arts or crafts. Um, Stanley Steamer, are you going to work for them too? Wow, there's a whole crew here. <laughs> That's nice. Did you make that? That's, that is beautiful. I love it. Did you know that your dad used to lead singing the little church we were at years ago and he was younger than you? Do you remember that, Casey? And now here you are, Generations, Legacy of Faith. Isn't that a blessing? That's right. All right, so you got your verse ready? All right. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness of his resurrection. All right. How about a round of applause? Thank you, Reese. We appreciate it. I noticed also, I noticed she had on, I think, Converse tennis shoes. Oh, yeah, they're making a comeback. Yeah, they're making a comeback. That's good. I still have my old ones from when they uh, came back the first time, or however you would say that. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, those were great. You could wear them, swim in them, whatever, throw them in the washing machine, keep rolling, you know. So, Al, we are starting uh, this book of Acts that we kind of kicked off last week, and we're into this adventure about living for Christ and about preparing for this great adventure. And I didn't know it, Al, you, uh, you reminded me of what the word prep and, and preppers means. Yeah, you know, for years, if you were talking about somebody prepping, it meant they were getting ready for college, right? It was prep school. You go to high school, he's prepping here, she's prepping there. Boy, the world has changed, has it not? I mean, you don't even think of it in those terms. Now we're thinking when the world comes is coming to an end, we got our preppers, right? And you don't have to necessarily be a prepper, but you need to know one, right, Mike? Is that... <laughs> That's exactly right. I was talking to uh, a guy one time. He was a friend of mine. And he was into, I mean, he was really into putting up water, putting up everything. And he's like, but he, he, but he was like, it's okay. I'm like, I'm not worried about it, you know. He's like, it's okay, Mike. When it happens, you can still come to my place. I'll take care of you. So, you know, you just got to have a good friend that's a preference. Or, uh, or a dad who is the pioneer of social distancing. Um, we've always said that if anything happens, we're all going out to fields. We're making our last stand there. Use three sides or water, which takes care of the zombies, right, because they can't go through water. <laughs> And we can keep a good eye on everything. There's plenty of guns. There's plenty of games. So, you know, we're, that's where we'll be. So don't come looking for us because we, we might not show you. up. Yeah. Uh, don't show up as a surprise. <laughs> <It'd be trouble. laughs> don't, don't do that. Uh, we're talking today about prepping and prepping for the church. And, you know, we're making a lot of preparations even here uh, at WFR. We're super excited about uh, we're entering 2021. This is our, our anniversary day, Mike, of a year ago when we first started preaching again. 
after Trent announced that he was uh, heading out to Colorado. We miss uh, Trent and Kirsten and their family. What a blessing they are. Sometimes they, they look in. If you're watching today, we love you guys deeply. And thank you for what you've done for our church. Yes. And so we, you know, we got a lot of plans and dreams. I mean, we don't believe COVID is going to last forever in spite of some of the dire things we hear about it. We believe the, the, maybe it'll be the, the, the vaccinations or, or just be the Lord says, you know what? All right, let's get back to having that community again. So we're excited about that. We're making a lot of technological upgrades here. I have a new screen in here, which we're super excited about, which is going to allow us more flexibility with our live stream audience. You guys are very important to us. You, you came alongside uh, when we went into the quarantine, and that audience has grown, and you're now our forever family spread out across the world. So we're looking for ways to better get the message to you, to those that you're trying to reach, and our worship as well, and all the technological stuff. It's expensive, uh, but we feel like it's worth it. And so we need everybody on board with that. You live streamers out there, we need your help. Uh, to be able to make that happen. So remember uh, to tithe and to send some money to WFR to be able to help us uh, upgrade some of the things we're doing. Yeah, I remember, Al, I, I, when, <clears throat> when I was in school preaching back in the 70s, many people didn't realize we had a school here. We had a school here for 20 years. And so in that, I, I graduated uh, in the 70s, and we were the first class to graduate in this room. And this building it was being built while I was in school, and it got finished, and so... Uh, we graduated here, and so the pews you are sitting on have been here that long. Uh, well, actually not some of them because they broke and we carried them out, and Paul has fixed and sawed and nailed and hammered, and so it's finally come to the point we actually are going to get rid of these pews and have some chairs in here. And so, uh, it, by the way, uh, I think a great way to do that is just everybody buy your own chair, buy your chairs for your family. Ask Dave how much that is per chair, and they will take care of that. We don't want to worry about the expense of that. I like buy, buy your own chair. That's a pretty good idea. People like to have their spot anyway, right? You say, oh, no, I bought that chair. Oh, That's there's good. some of you. You've got your pew, and you've been on it, and we're a little worried about we'll probably have to carry the pew out with you on it. I mean, I know how some of you are, right? I can't tell you how many times I've been in here, and you hear a big, loud pop, which is another break in the pew, right? <laughs> Uh, so we're, we're probably in danger. So we're excited about that uh, and being together. And, and look, I just want to encourage you guys out there, you know, our, our local church family. Uh, some of you have not been able to be here for a long time, and we miss you. Uh, and so we're excited about getting the opportunity to hug your neck. And things will look a little bit different when you, when you get back. So today we're talking about the disciples in Acts chapter 1, beginning of verse 12. And basically they're waiting. And I don't know about you. But that's one of the hardest things for me to do, is to wait. It's just not in my na- I'm by nature impatient. I don't like to wait. Uh, when I'm driving past a place, deciding whether to go eat, it dep- depends on how many cars are in the line, right? I don't have, if you're like me. What the Almighty has done to work on that in me, because, you know, patience is, a, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right, Mike? Is, is given me a woman, the love of my life, who can't leave. She has a leaving problem. She can't leave home. She can't leave here. She can't leave an event. And so I'm constantly doing what? Waiting. Waiting. Deciding how I want to be while I'm waiting. And I had a house. Are you sure that's not the other way around? What? She's waiting on you to finish talking or whatever. No, 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 no. No, I'm telling you. I'm a talker. And I, and Lisa, I, I love you. I think I'm, I'm one of the latest ones, but my wife can outdo me any day of the week. She'll tell you. So we're standing in an event. We've taken pictures. We've sh- shaken hands. We've signed books. 
you know, I'm tired. I'm ready to get back to the hotel. And now it's down to Lisa and the organizers. You know, it's a little circle of about <laughs> six of them. And I'm waiting. And I, and I love her, so I'm waiting with a good attitude, trying to just work <laughs> on that, you know. And so finally I'll bust up in the middle of that circle and I'll say, how can they miss us if we never leave? And it, it's funny, two of you laugh, but they'll laugh. <laughs> and when they laugh, I grab her and say, let's go. That's my way out. So the Almighty has given me an ability to work on my impatience, which is a blessing, right? It's a blessing to be able to test your, your weaknesses as well as your strengths. Now, the apostles, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up, right? Mm. Jesus has told them this. So here's what happens in verse 12. The apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. So it's basically the crew. You know, the 11, and here they are. And there's going to be some more that are going to be there we will read about in a minute. Here's the key verse in verse 14. Here's how you wait. They all joined together, constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So this community of people, they, they are waiting, but they're in their waiting, they're not, uh, they're, they're not doing nothing, right? They're, they are joined together. And they are in prayer. So this is a community of people who are all joined together, all united. And so we understand the importance of that uh, call for unity within the, within the church, the forever family. All through the book of Acts, he's going to start talking about the unity and what they did together as a community of people. And it's important to have that kind of unity. Was it not discouraging to you this week to see the disunity of our nation? Mm. Is that not a discouraging thing? Mm. I mean, disunity is always discouraging. It's especially discouraging when it exists within the body of Christ. But the body of Christ does not act like the world. Mm. We can't be like the world. We're called to be different. And it is difficult when there's disunity. And I, I hate that about our nation. And I hate politically the, the kinds of, uh, of, of feelings that it's sparring off. But look. Your passion, whether it's for health in the pandemic or your passion for political climate and change, whatever your passion is, none of that can be more than your passion for Jesus and the passion to see lost people saved. So let's make sure our priority of our passion is in the right spot and we stay united as a community of believers to do what God has called us to do. It's really shocking to me. I was thinking about it. We talked about on the podcast this week that, you know, dad was born eight months after VJ Day, which basically ended World War II. And so here he was, a, a new baby, uh, boom out of that generation. And just over the course of his lifetime, from the end of World War II, which probably unified people together as much as anything ever has, that we would be where we are today, just in dad's lifetime, to see that. And for the first time this week, I really began to see how you have civil wars, how you line up across the field from your own countrymen uh, and want to do harm to one another. And that's so sad to me. And there's little little glimpses, you know, after 9-11 and little glimpses of unity. But I, I realized this week it will never be done without turning to God. It's the, really the only thing big enough for us now. 
And I have a feeling it's probably going to take a lot to get there. But if we can get focused, just like these guys are, that there is a common enemy, and it's not us. It's anything against us, even as Americans. But as Christians, we understand that the enemy is the devil. It's not the one that hurts us, wrongs us, that we disagree with. We have a common enemy. Therefore, we have a common cause. We have a reason to be engaged, and we need to do that together. And if we're not able to do that at the America level, I can promise you we can do that at the Christian level. And we can show people that you can be close to people you don't agree with, that don't look like you, that are different from you. That's the beauty of this moment. The church is about to begin in this moment. And the church is the picture of what unity can be. And we need that church with the truth of God. You know, in Isaiah, the prophet said in Isaiah, I think it's 59 verse 14, where he describes uh, uh, God's people in the middle of a culture that doesn't believe anymore. And he says this statement, truth has fallen in the street. Yes. And the righteous have become the prey. Now, if, 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 if our culture doesn't describe the same culture that existed back in Isaiah's day when he's describing that truth has fallen in the street, yeah, it's fallen. So who is the people who bring truth? It's God's church. People who follow the way, the truth, the life. And this community of people, we are called to impact our world, to be salt and light, regardless of the kind of culture that we live in. We're our, it's not our goal to make every nation great. It's our goal to make every person saved, right? right. We want them to hear about the good news of Jesus. And so that they can find the truth that can change their life and their hope for heaven. But not only were they united here in Acts 2, and by the way, they lived in a terrible culture too at the time, mm-hmm. right? No worse than ours. And yet the church is fixing to explode and do something great for God. And so they're, they are united with a cause, but they're united and they're continued united in prayer. It says that they were constantly in prayer together. These men and these women are gathered up in this room waiting, united and praying, depending on God their Father. You know, and I love the idea that, of how inclusive the moment is. It's not an accident that these women are there and Mary's there because they've been following Jesus around for the three years. Judaism was a very male-centric religion, no doubt about it. It was also exclusive of everybody if you weren't a Jew. But the church is about to change that. We're seeing something new happen. And I think that's a great example for us. And we saw two examples since we've been here this morning in this room of the importance of what we're talking about. Of families having the responsibility to lead their children, to teach them the ways of God. It starts in our home, folks. The problem that's happening in America is they're so worried about the White House, they forgot about their house. And so the kids are all on the devices the whole time, and they're on their devices, and everybody's in a separate room. And what happened to family? We're being led by whatever forces come in. That's the danger that we're in. Church, it has to start with us. Every single family. You've got to know that. You've got to know what's on your machines. You've got to know what your kids and your grandkids are looking at and learning. Because I can promise you this, it's not what's in here. And it's a danger. So I love the idea that this is an inclusive moment. And Paul would later say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, 
nor is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what we're missing. The big picture level. Such a politics of division along racial lines, gender lines. Who is a gender? What is this? What is that? The church says there's one in Christ Jesus, and we embrace one another. I love the picture we're going to see later and talk about in Acts chapter 2. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's the way it's supposed to be. So not only do you prep with community, the next thing we see in the text is that you prep with Scripture. In Acts chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, it says, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Doesn't take many, right? 120. You wouldn't think, that's not, doesn't sound like a large number. And he said, Brothers and sisters, the Scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Now, with the payment he received from his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open. And all his intestines spilled out. And everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language, Akadama, that is, field of blood. For said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. I love Peter steps up to this hundred plus people. And he becomes this inspired leader he's been gifted to lead and to serve as well and and i love this because not long ago remember peter at one fireside he's denying jesus three times and he has that failure in his life another fireside chat and jesus is saying do you love me do you love me do you love me feed my you know feed my sheep and 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 so he's going off through this thing for peter he's made this all of a sudden this transition to now he's this leader And he doesn't allow himself to be trapped by his guilt or by his shame. He's still able to step up and be the leader. And he leads in spite of his own shortcomings. I I call this the gap. Mm -hmm. Every time, uh, you know well uh, uh, the way it is in preaching. Every time we get up and preach God's Word, it's it's the ideal of the perfection that God wants us to, to, to live in. But my life doesn't always... Match what I'm preaching. Right? That's right? I'm human. I mess up. I have mistakes. I'm still learning. And so there's a gap between how I live and what I preach. And I wish that gap was not very big. I wish I could just shrink it down where it didn't exist. But I, I don't have the ability to do that. I'm a sinful human being. I mess up. But I, I can't let the gap or my past guilt and shame... Keep me from stepping up and doing what God's called me to do as a leader. It's always a challenge. It always keeps you humble because you're always seeing your own shortcomings. And at the same time, it's exciting as a leader and as a servant of a church to watch people grow and to be a part of their lives. And so I can imagine how Peter was feeling at the beginning of the explosion of the church. And I can guarantee you every elder here would tell you and every leader in our church that they feel very similar to what Mike just described. You see, as a leader, you have to realize that, you know, we we approach the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus is on it. Of course we can't measure up. Of course we fall short of glory. But he's called us to do. And that's what I love about Peter. He realized that. And we know he's had the potential. 
Because we've seen him jump in there so many times and then later on stick his foot in his mouth. But that's what leaders do. They're not perfect. They make mistakes, right? And that's what he's called us to do. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that God gave us the beautiful treasure of salvation in broken pots, right? Jars of clay, dirt bags, whatever, however you want to apply the word. That's us. We recognize that. You know why? Because the power is not in the pot. It's in the treasure inside. And that's what God does for us. That's what he did for Peter. That's why he's jumped in there and he's so powerful about it. And I love that he refers back to Judas and we kind of find out what happened to Judas because Judas is a cautionary tale to any of us. The evil one is still here. You realize that Satan penetrated the inner circle of the Son of God and entered into one of those he had chosen? That should be a wake-up call for all of us, that he is always active. And Peter would write later in 1 Peter 5 that he is stealthy about it. He's sneaking around. He's prowling. And then sometimes he's roaring. And I've seen all those moments, the span of the time I've spent here with you at our church. I've seen moments where he roared and marriages failed and people hated one another. And I've seen other times where he was sneaky and stealthy and it was just this family over here, just this teenager over there. It's a reminder we always have to be on our guard, right? We have the armor of God. He's not greater than the Almighty, but he is sinister. If he could do this to Judas and in this inner circle and try to derail this entire life-changing ministry, he certainly could work on me. I'm not sure how Peter uh, uh, came about this. Uh, I know that he instantly went to Scripture. Uh, he recognized from the Scripture out of Psalms, because he quotes two of the Psalms, mm-hmm. Psalm 69, Psalms 109, and uh, he quotes them to say that there needs to be a replacement for Judas. Uh, there were 12, now there's 11, and we need to replace this leadership. And so Peter comes about this, though, from Scripture. So we must look to Scripture as our guide. Now, what's interesting is Peter did, uh, you know, he also, and I think obviously became, came to understand this, that the words he were, was saying, he was not only depending on past Scripture, he was putting forth in his words and in his letters Scripture that would guide us. So that same apostolic authority that started the church still exists with us through the Bible that, that is written through his words and his letters. Uh, and so they still lead us as God's family on this adventure of being what the church wants us to be. I love it. Peter wrote in Second Peter 1, For prophecy of Scripture never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And these men would do the same thing. What a powerful thing. And so you have to prep with Scripture as well as community. You also have to prep with a legacy of looking forward. You have to replenish leadership. Look at verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus Christ was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Jesus left to go where he, Judas left to go where he belongs. 
Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. You know, Matthias is interesting. He's, uh, this is the only uh, context in which Matthias is mentioned. Yet he's an apostle that get, gets sent out. We know, look, he, we know he's been with the whole group the whole time, right? He's been with them since John's baptism. He's seen everything. He's been an eyewitness to the resurrection. And so yeah, uh, he, he is chosen to be this leader. Now, Matthias, in history, we have a few things about Matthias. In history, it says that according to some historians, he preached the gospel in Judea. And then he went into what's now the modern day, uh, the country of Georgia, uh, which was uh, Cochise, uh, an area that was, uh, that was inhabited by cannibals at the time of uh, Matthias's day. And he goes there to preach the gospel and ends up losing his life, stoned to death, uh, because he preached the good news of Jesus to a really, really tough culture and environment. But he is sent out, just like all the other now, he's, he's with the apostles. When you see the words in the book of Acts, and the apostles did this, or the apostles said that, Matthias is a part of that. We tend to kind of forget about him being a part of that. So while his name is not mentioned, he is mentioned every time the group of apostles are together making decisions and sending out people uh, for, for, the, uh, for the gospel. So there's a unique nature of the disciples being the original group. I mean, I don't read anywhere in the text where Peter was told this is what needed to be done. I think it's what he just felt as a leader needed to be done. We need to replenish. We need to replace Judas. And so a lot of times as we're going through Acts, it's easy sometimes to think the process, people focus too much on every process in the world. This is the way they did it. Ergo, this is the way we've got to do it. Don't think process. Think replenish. The idea here is about getting new leadership. Now, it's very different for us as you roll forward 2,000 years later. One is we're 2,000 years removed from these original 12 that actually were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And it changes. And Jesus recognized that. He said, blessed are you guys because you see it. But even more blessed are those who don't see it and will believe. And that's us, right, as we go forward. As these epistles have been written going forward from Acts, all those letters that Paul wrote, you start seeing processes of having elders, having leaders, having people who can pastor and teach and all the different things that we need to be able to grow a church and to be able to take care of one another and have that sense of community. A lot of people say, well, why don't we just cast lots today like they did then? If we're going to get a new elder, a new preacher or whatever. Well, we could. It's ancient. It's been around a long time. But we also see new ways to be able to do that, to appoint people. We're not necessarily just needing one. So things have changed over the years, but they haven't changed from the idea of why we do it. And that's what's so important to look at as we, as we see what these people did. You see the prayer there and the trust and the removal of human political nature, which is easy to do, especially in churches. We don't need any of that. God knows who he needs to lead us. We have to trust in him and our leaders to be able to make that happen. So when we do leaders, when we appoint leaders, uh, it, it's really people who are already serving and leading. It's more of a recognizing what's happening in someone's life and joining the voices of other leaders within a church to try to do what's best in feeding people spiritually. Uh, so every decision should be have the principles that this decision has. You make the decision soaked in prayer, supported by Scripture, and submitted in trust. That's right. When we make decisions like that, we can make wise and good decisions for God's people and propagate leaders 
for uh, not only current leaders now that are needed, but for leaders throughout the next generation. For we need to keep raising up men and women who can serve and, and teach and raise up families who are strong. And we need to continually be thinking as we are discipling someone about, okay, what's, uh, what's short in my life? Uh, one of the best things that someone ever did one time when I was young was sit down and say, look, Mike, read these qualities and the character of what it means to, to be an elder or a minister. Read those. Find, look at that. Find the one you're, you're the weakest in and, and figure out how to start strengthening that in your life. Prepare now. You don't just automatically all of a sudden wake up one day and someone says, well, that guy make a good leader. No, he's grown in his walk with the Lord. And all of a sudden then there's a, uh, uh, there's a humility that exists. But there's also a desire that I want to help God's people grow and become more like Jesus. Uh, shepherding, our role as elders, is not the same as the role of apostles. That's right. We don't have any... God-given authority the way the apostles did. We have their authority written in Scripture. We have what God wants us to become and be like and how to grow people. It's all in the book here. Which, by the way, is a reason men need to be solid in God's Word who become shepherds and pastors within God's family. But it's always a challenge and there's always a need. Because we never want to leave that next generation without leaders leadership is important and god set it up that way think of the church this way the church is the body of christ right so whatever jesus was busy doing while he was here in his body is what as a church we ought to be busy doing as his body now that is more of an organism than it is an organization. But an organism grows and is nourished and, and has to have the right food and the right intake and the right exercise. And so that's what shepherds do is they feed the, the flock. They keep it growing, keep this organism growing healthy so that it can look more and more like Jesus and reach the people that Jesus tried to reach. So Peter was an apostle. He also later was an elder, a shepherd, and he said he followed the chief shepherd, who is Jesus Christ. We are his body on this earth. And so Mike and I, along with other elders here, uh, have accepted a role to serve this church, to help prepare you for all the things we've talked about this morning. And there will be more in the future. And we've already been praying about that. Our leaders have been praying about that. And look, for those of you who God has put in that position, look, I realize you, you feel like you're not worthy. I feel the exact same way every single day because I'm not. I'm not worthy. But Christ called me to lead in spite of my falling short. And he will continue to build that as we go forward. You can't talk about prepping without looking at your own individual life. How are you preparing yourself and your family? That's the key really, to everything that we're talking about today. You know, Jesus told us in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. He wants you to prepare your family to have a full, abundant life while on this earth. There's no doubt about it. We don't have to be in misery while we're here. Sometimes there's miserable conditions, but that's okay. He has prepared us to have an abundant life no matter what the circumstances. 
But while we're doing that, we're also preparing for something greater. He told the disciples in John 14, 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. We're also preparing for the next step, our eternal life with Jesus. So while we're living this life, prepared to have an abundant life here on earth, he's made that possible. We're really thinking big picture, right? When that sky parts and he comes back, we're off to the races. You talk about an unstoppable adventure. Man is right. Are you ready for that? Are you prepping for that individually? Are you making decisions that lead you to Christ? If you haven't, we have an opportunity for you to do that right now. An opportunity to come forward here, the Fellowship Center. Also, you live streamers out there watching, this is your day to embrace Christ, to make him the Lord of your life. If you haven't been baptized, to be baptized into Christ. What a blessing and an opportunity. Or sometimes maybe we just got to reboot and say, help me with my preparation. And that's okay too. That's what a family does. If you have a need, any of those or more, why don't you come forward while we stand and while we sing.